Mana 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 this is social disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I'm Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is many things: an improviser, an actor, an executive director, a fruitfluencer, and a co-host of L is for Loser, a great Patreon podcast about reality TV and all things pop culture. Please welcome Jessica Jordan. Welcome. Oh. Thank you. I love that. That was a very succinct but very well done uh, intro. You hit it all. Thank you. It's the one time, and we we are mutuals in this regard. Uh, the one time I can really use my journalism degree. So yes, yes, I feel it. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. I feel it. <laughs> Fact based intros. Fruitfluencer, etc. He did his research, uh, <laughs> and it shows. No, I love yes. it. <laughs> The uh, I guess as a starting point, because I don't know how else to start the show, but the aforementioned, deeply unfair, easy to ask, difficult mm. answer question, how are you? How are you? Uh, the intonation is so nice in how you ask it. Um, I'm honestly doing well, and that has a little kind of question mark up at the end, <laughs> yeah. um, because I think, uh, I think, like, this is such a better time than it was even just from a couple months ago. Yeah. But it, it sort of sits as like, a, I think I'd be using this wrong, but it almost feels like a bit of an uncanny valley right now uh, in terms of like knowing what life kind of normally feels like and that it we're very close to it and can do many things. Um, but that we are also like so entrenched and speaking for myself, like, I've been working from the very where I'm recording right now is my dining room table where I also work full time uh, for 20 months. And so it's like it just is a bit of a pileup. Like you can feel everybody just like really needs to hit the holidays and hit them hard and uh, and come out the other side and be able to kind of like stare it down. So uh, stare down a new year. But um, so I do feel the pileup of like a long, weird year on top of another long weird year um but i'm also okay and feeling pretty good good it's well first of all you used uncanny valley which is something that i hear a lot and i basically know what it means but i've never had the courage yet to use it in a sentence <laughs> i feel like i'm getting there i think i slightly misused it but it's the I, it's as i understand uncanny valley and i don't remember the root of it it's like something that is a little too similar to the reality to where it kind of is like unnerving you know like it creates like a cognitive dissonance because you're like that's like that but it's not like that uh so that's how my brain understands uncanny valley listeners if i got it wrong definitely let me know (laughs) but that's how i like to think of it i think that's accurate i was i brought up what it meant but all it's giving me are the very technical terms and i don't have the mental bandwidth to comprehend that right now to be honest but i think i think you're right on and Great. and i think to your point though about like the holidays coming up you know before we recorded i, I used the phrase square peg round hole mm-hmm. which is something i say a lot for some reason me too but i i don't know why it just really i think i, I think in analogies a lot in my head me too and that is a visual thing that really so perfectly represents so many things to me i said it last night in conversation just as you said it when you said it before i was like Hey, I just use that, and it feels good when you use it. It's fun. I enjoy yeah. it. 
it's a it's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I do think that there's gonna be. I think people are gonna want to reenact the majesty of the holidays. Yes. By any means necessary. Yes. And it's I- gonna be successful in some cases. And an absolute shit show in others, probably. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of what I'm struggling with, is that the return to things almost... Like, I was telling a friend that this past Hall- was this past weekend was Halloween, yeah. and I went to a Halloween party and, like, dressed up. My really good friend had a party, and it, it, was, it was no fault of anybody's. It was, like, a wonderful party, got to see friends, but the buildup was so huge and the payoff like could never have matched it and so i was telling her that now it makes like many kind of lesser events feel very like new year'sy to me like they have that sort of like new year's pressure of like Mm. it's gotta be great you know and like uh we're just not used to doing stuff and so it everything feels i think like it's gonna be this like bath that cleanses us from this horrible chapter that we've been in and that there's like some kind of Halloween party or some kind of event or outing or whatever that is going to kind of like click us back into place or where we feel like how we used to feel before all this. And like, I think that the reality is like, no, probably not. It's going to just continue to feel weird for maybe a really long time. And the holidays I think will feel connective and really soothing but i anticipate we'll also have a bit of that you know where it's just like the expectations are so high and so much has happened and like i'm not even from one of those families that has like you know a lot of like political differences or things like that but you know it'll be a lot of people spending time together after the whole world kind of changed you know um so I, I feel like that all came out very like pessimistic, which was not Michael. <laughs> See, I didn't, I, and that's fair. I didn't take it that way personally. Okay. Good. But then again, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm pessimistic and, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I relate deeply to this. You know, let's square peg round hole this. <laughs> but, uh, but the one, you know, I, I, that's the thing though. I don't know in terms of like everything feeling like an event. I mean, it does at the moment, I guess, because relatively speaking or relative, to the pre-pandemic times, there are so many fewer, I guess, yes, to some degree. Absolutely. So then it, it, you have to summon even more energy, especially when you're trying to adjust to what that ever that approximation of what it was before. I don't know. Maybe a part of it is just maybe just realizing, like, to some degree, this is kind of what it is now. Yeah. I, I hope not. I don't think that's fair. I, I think it does feel early, but I just, I don't know. It's like things right now are so much better than they have been from a COVID perspective, at least in the last few months. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. But even then the future feels like even like such a mystery still. Cause I yeah. just don't know. I think that's a good way to put it. It's like, it's not necessarily a negative. It's just, I, I, I did say this to somebody that it's like, I think everyone's in this space. Like I've never been able to plan like in see things in such a short runway. You know, mm, and like, yeah. I just don't, I've never been a huge like five year planner person, but I feel like it's the most like month to month or even week to week existence in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, you try to plan for certain things, but it just sort of like altered that ability. 
I think to really comfortably imagine six months down the road and comfortably imagine yourself in a year, whether that's like in a relationship or your job or anything, you know, like it, it just, it's not that you can't, but I think the freedom with which we like probably naturally did that now feels a little shaky, especially because of the like, stop starts that happened you know yeah. of like b believing things were opening up and then they got worse and then things opening up and like that's just like anything like you get you know you that's pavlovian you know like we're now we are trained to believe that like it is anything can change and, and be lurking around the bend and so the the long-term effect of that is just so different and it, again it's not even necessarily bad i think in some sense it's also created you know like they call it like the great resignation um and that's really been prevalent at my work like so many people have quit their jobs without necessarily other jobs um and because i'm a manager i have had a lot of those conversations and a lot of it is really interesting and inspiring, you know, and it's a lot of people just being like kind of falling into the great unknown and just recognizing what they feel doesn't work for them or isn't the path they want to be on. Um, and obviously it's tough when people quit their jobs, <laughs> but, sure. but there's been something very fascinating, I think, about watching people enter life in like a uh, just a very different approach like it, it's it's really i feel fortunate to get to see it from that perspective um but yeah in my own life it's it i definitely can feel that that it's just sort of like you have everything feels much foggier when you picture it in your mind you know and and it's, absolutely that's new it's just a newer way to, like space to hold in your brain yeah i was talking to a friend of mine today about about this exact thing about how, man, something like a pandemic and it being the only one we experience in our lifetimes, it's, man, it's the most, the most we've ever kind of collectively had to reconcile, like deal with our own mortality mm -hmm. or whatever degree you, you weren't already maybe, but just, you know, it, it was in such a position to where people who were workaholics had to shut down or at least shut down relative to what they did before mm -hmm. and maybe had to deal with things they been hadn't been or just been putting off consciously or subconsciously just all these things and that can be both jarring and very difficult to process but it could also on the flip side be completely liberating yeah i think it, and it's been interesting to see the waves in which it worked because at the very beginning of the pandemic, there was this huge surge in productivity um, in like the workforce, at least. I mean, we're talking about desk job people specifically, which mm -hmm. is, is my realm. But um, and then I remember reading a lot about that. And it was primarily because it had a lot to do with people who either live alone or like with roommates or, you know, just essentially don't have kids. Mm -hmm. um, or live necessarily with partners that they would spend a lot of free time with. And so it created this sort of ability for people to just never shut off and work and work and work and work and get ahead and work and then be rewarded for working ahead. And so like that group then had to kind of face that as things opened back up and as their offices opened back up and as like it, it was basically like this sort of 
inverse like uh of the of this like great resignation that's happening right now you know where i think the work was this like burrowing space and especially if you're just in your home like whatever you and i did it too you bring your laptop over to the couch and you're like well i'll just keep working on this while i watch some garbage tv um and the like collapsing of all of our boundaries um in in terms of like work and free time and relationships and just everything felt so flattened and so now yeah. we're like erecting boundaries again and trying to create these spaces and it's hard it's really hard it's like a you know and every it's not impossible but uh you it's you can just really feel how much time has passed it's wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah it really is because i was thinking about that too the other day about just okay i need to get in i need to reestablish contact with this person that person that person just because it's just all such a, a blur and you realize that certain things just go by the wayside, not even consciously that of like, Oh, I just haven't talked to this person and how you would normally see this person in this situation, but those situations aren't happening. And it's just so easy for that to happen without it being any, you know, any sort of malicious purposeful no. thing. Uh, this, and how many relationships just were dependent on, on spaces that don't exist anymore. I yeah. mean, I have that with so many friends from UCB and improv teammates. And it's like, there is no, uh, no bad feelings. Nothing has gone wrong. I miss them terribly, but like, that's not a muscle. We exercised a lot, like how to see each other and stay in touch outside of our multiple times a week that we had to see each other for things. Yeah. And like, you can feel like that has been a big space of loss for a lot of people in like, at least here in the LA, I would say in my world in LA improv and comedy communities, it's just like to lose the hub, to lose the, the that so many tiers of people that you just run into and count on like seeing and knowing and that it is reliant on putting yourself out there. I will share a huge tool for me. I always sound like an evangelist about this, <laughs> but I swear to God, like as someone who, because oh, a lot of times it's like I'll agree to, especially when it was like a really Zoom heavy, uh, when we would Zoom all the time socially, you know, yeah. which it was amazing to have any contact, but it would be a lot of times for me, I'm, I'm staring at my laptop for an entire day and then I realized that even if I went and grabbed a glass of wine and it's my friends in the boxes instead of my coworkers, like it's psychologically kind of damaging. Yeah. <laughs> like, like imagine if you only hung out with your friends in your like office conference room, you know, like it doesn't make sense in my brain. And it started to really drain me a lot. And I would feel very avoidant. Um, and really was like struggling on how to see and connect with people. And this sounds so dumb. But because my sister has lived abroad for many years, she was living in Dubai forever. Oh, we, wow. we, was, we were in the habit of using voice notes, either on like WhatsApp or um, uh, just like on Apple voice notes in your message settings. And I have like forced it on so many people in my huh. life now because, and it's interesting, some people don't like it and it's totally fair. Um, but a lot of people, it's like you leave it like it's kind of almost like answering machine of days of old where you leave them when it's convenient for you. Like a lot of times it's if I'm in my car, like I'm driving a yoga or something and you just get to kind of talk and catch up and like, this is what's going on with me. This is the, and like leave questions for each other. Um, almost like a Marco Polo or something. 
Um, and then they, and the whole, and my whole premise with it is no rush on the response. It's not like a text. It's like you leave it when it's convenient for you. And it has been a game changer for me because it means that I get to like hear my friends' voices, hear about things going on with them, but I don't have to like pick up the phone if they, you know, and I don't have to yes. like, it's just to completely, especially because I have a lot of friends who have kids and small kids. And it has been a true game changer. So I share that with anybody. That's a great call. <laughs> no, I like that a lot. Also, I feel like, um, I don't know, sometimes with maybe the internet of it all and like websites and just everybody amounts to text, it's that it's a good reminder of like, oh yeah, this is a person. Yeah, like the intimacy, it's, just, it's the same reason podcasts, I think, have succeeded, especially so much in this time. Like, there's just something so intimate, especially about hearing the voices of the people you love, even if it's not real time. But like my favorite feeling is like popping in my earbuds and listening to like a long like my best friend lives in London. And so she leaves. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have like a 25 minute voice note from her because it's, you know, like, yeah, if, and she's kids. So it's like if she gets the time, she really leaves a big one. And like for me to get to pop in my earbuds and like go for a walk and listen to her and just get like lost in like her voice and her world. Like it's such a treat. They're like little treasures that sit till you like can open them. And it's so fun. And it has been a huge game changer for me in terms of getting to like and you can just tell people you love them and you miss them, you know, like and, and it's not about like. And so now let's what's let's have a conversation and what's going on with you. And uh, I have this agenda. This I have is your turn now. Yeah. You're going to have to figure out how to get off the phone with me if this isn't a good time for you. Like <laughs> it just is like it kind of just chops away all that. So I sound always very sponsored by voice notes, but I, I share it as a tool for anybody who struggles with like I just get a lot of anxiety around like anytime I schedule like a phone date or a zoom, I'm yeah. always like, oh, when it's time to do it, like, I just kind of want to squirm out of it. And it's never about the person ever. Yeah. I, I think that's a great call. And, and, um, I noticed too, that when you have less plan plans, just because of all of this out there, that my brain is almost looking for any little thing to lament, have lament having to do. Yeah. Cause I, cause it's like that, <laughs> that feeling of like, Oh, I don't have, you know plans to cancel so then anything that even feels a little bit like an obligation feels a little bit stronger yes. than it might ordinarily so absolutely to your, you know to your point of waking up to something that's like a 25 minute you know treat from your best friend that's a win something you look forward to yeah it just takes the kind of onus off of like and any of that kind of like oh i tried you you didn't pick up i left a message but you didn't call me like a lot of those sort of like a lot of the world of phone calls and text messages gets a little tit for tat you know yeah. um and and that stresses me out um and and just i think we just all have to be like so kind to ourselves and everyone in our lives and so it just ends up being like a really nice way to send out little smoke signals uh and tell people you're thinking of them or wondering how they're doing and you don't quite have to open it up as like a huge date the sitting on the calendar for everyone to wonder if it still makes sense. But yeah, even yep. that's, you can tell that that's where my brain is at, that like a text message is like a big commitment. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it can be because like, I don't know, like it doesn't, it can be a benign relative we or just a regular like benign thing. And it still can cause anxiety because it's just, yeah, everything is so uncertain to just 
I don't know. I, I just speaking for myself that it felt like I was really and continued to in different ways, hopefully more minute ways, but just trying to establish control over my environment because I feel so helpless otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that could manifest itself in the form of a text message that I am dreading having to reply to regardless of how much I love that person who's on the other end. Totally. And like a thing that has made this period more difficult for me is that I have always been a person who really, really parses like the nuance of emails and texts like way too much and really read far too much into it and can really get my feelings hurt or assume a lot of subtext and like that was a very big challenge over the pandemic for me is like with these limited interactions, I think that's why I prefer like voice notes so much. Like I am the kind of person that like, if there's a period instead of an exclamation mark, I'm like, okay, so they hate me and they want me dead and I need to come to terms with it. It's like, I can really uh, like fall off a cliff. Um, And it was so that's less of a thing when you see that person and, you know, and you know, you know where they're at and you, but when you are like kind of feeling around in the dark and going off of these little kind of tea leaves, see lots of analogies. (laughs) I'm all about it, but I know, but I know, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like, if I'm in an awful mood, Oh, they're an asshole. Mm -hmm. If they're the, you know, it's just, don't give me I need I am such an overthinker and an analytical person. I need less on which to project. Yes. And yes. to your point that the the voice memo, the voice whatever the exact phrasing is, but voice note. Yes. That is that <laughs> that gives me less I have to interpret and I really need that uh and the fact just less of a conversation with myself of like I interpret it this way and then I take a step back and realize Oh, this is my best friend. Why they would not do this? No, and that you just—I've had to work with so much again, like kindness. The kindness I would try to extend to myself and extend it to other people uniformly, uh, because it's like to imagine how tired and like yeah. burnt out I am at any different point in the day, and like you know, and everyone is just like truly doing their best. Um, and so that, that I think is like anything that can get me away from, yeah, that kind of like, am I supposed to be reading between the lines? Is this what you meant to say? Because also, you know, like not most people and not everybody uh, communicates like me and needs what I need. And like, uh, I, so I am like primed to get my feelings hurt and the combination of like being sensitive and anxious is like all communication becomes then like weirdly fraught even though it's my favorite thing if that makes sense like nothing makes me happier than like texting and and talking to the people I love but it's also this like huge open field for me to like get all turned around in and assume the worst about myself um so anything I can do to kind of like limit that is is always just like a huge tool for me to just get to actually like enjoy the relationship <laughs> no i completely relate to that because like uh i sometimes i guess my brain is just determined to complicate things or overcomplicate things mm-hmm. and it just makes such a simple sentence like harrowing <laughs> because i'm just processing it and you're just having to go through the layers of take reading it this way then taking a step back and realizing this and this and this and you realize that just that's why I prefer just a conversation with people. Yeah. Because uh, it's just, it's so much simpler. It's so much easier. No. It's so much 
it's so much things so many less things to do and undo and it's just and I'm just it, a, it I'm make, a delightful mess. That's what no, I mean. it's it makes it it also makes sense then. And I don't know your journalism background, but like that is a big connection point to me. Also, like in that I it, like was able to kind of like sharpen a skill that helped me navigate those spaces. Hmm. You know, like I, I it it allowed me to figure out how to have conversations that moved in the direction I needed them to go in. And this is something I've had to like undo socially and in relationships, you know, that like you can, once you kind of feel comfortable uh, moving conversations and how, how to kind of like open up and and get people to open up. um, If anything, it's like uh, a thing that I've had to like work reverse engineer, you know, where it's like, stop steering. (laughs) Like, let it flow. But oh, I'm actively manipulating this person (laughs) to get to this place. This was not my intention. This is a dinner party. (laughs) But it is like you realize, you know, most people don't have an agenda and are just talking to talk. And like a lot of that kind of control and mapping is is a way to channel anxiety and insecurity. You know, like at least for myself, I guess that's something that I realized and that like it's such a gift to, yeah, to just kind of let a free flowing thing flow. But yeah, it really, you know, pandemic wasn't easy on anyone with anxiety, <laughs> with any of this stuff. <laughs> you know what? It was, it was a lot. That's why yeah, very um, it was academic, my academic research has concluded um, <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. Shit was hard. Uh, yeah. Is my my secondary follow up thesis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my uh, my thesis is a high pitched. It was tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a here's a probably a deeply unfair question as well. Okay. Oh, do you have a favorite fruit? <laughs> uh, I do, and it would be strawberry. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's that's a great one. It just makes me the happiest. They're all great. All fruit makes me so happy. That was a real pandemic thing that just, I've always liked fruit and fruit stuff, but yeah, it really like blossomed into a full-blown obsession and bought every, would just scour vintage clothing sites like compulsively for any dresses or sweaters or anything with fruit on it. Uh, But now I have like an insane weird collection of fruit clothes uh, (laughs) that I can never get through. But, um, But yes, I think in general... I'm always happiest to see a strawberry. That would have to be the winner. That's a great call. Do I, you uh, have a favorite fruit? I do orange. Oh, Oranges. O- orange is great. I just heard. Oh, what was? Oh, if a TikTok. Of course, it's a TikTok. I was like, where did I just hear this? Um, that it was a list of just like weird little life hacks, and one of them was that smelling like a freshly peeled orange reduces mm-hmm. anxiety. Uh, okay. I don't know. Report back. That's interesting, because uh, since I was a kid, like any kind of fruit flavor, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it would be, jelly bean, popsicle, whatever, always orange. Always love the color orange. I've always gravitated. I think it for orange, whatever reason, orange might be one of the better. I would put orange as a flavor, maybe above strawberry, because in in the realm you're talking about, like I would definitely choose like orange soda. Over. It's the most consistent taste, I think. Yeah. Of the I, two. I think, because the only other big winner in this realm, and I've talked about, I was talking about this to Tim, I, I really get stuck on this a lot, is that mm. I cannot believe how multi-purpose lemons are. 
that lemon yeah. tastes that lemon can taste good on like meat like on steak and mm -hmm. chickens chickens chicken uh <laughs> not like live chickens but uh cooked it chicken. might though it yeah. might who knows uh and then it's also nice on like veggies and you know mediterranean stuff and then this same fruit is a drink and it's a dessert flavor like that's weird that a single flavor can be as good on like a piece of meat as like uh, its own flavor of meringue you know what i mean oh that's interesting yeah like it it both um it, accentu it, it accentuates a ton of things but can also be the thing yes i think that that's like a profound range for lemon. <laughs> I think that's very fair. Yeah, you know the I well f well one thing. I have a website up that analyzes the person based on their favorite fruit, <gasps> and this is what it says on strawberries. Okay, <clears throat> aren't you just the sweetest? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> With strawberries as your favorite fresh fruit, uh, we guess you have. Wait, I completely missed that run. With strawberries as your favorite fruit, we guess. You have killer manners and are always polite. You never forget your please and thank yous, and the idea of you not holding the door for a person behind you gives you severe anxiety. Even if the person behind you still is a bit too far, that they that they have to do that half walk, half run to make it. It's it's uh it's the thought that counts. Go you. Oh my god, what an actual just nice boost. I'll take yeah. it. I mean, I don't disagree. I definitely think I I had manners hammered into me by my mom so i'm definitely like a weird little stickler about manners and politeness and things like that but i gotta know what does orange say you gotta read me yours i think it says uh cannot read websites about fruit based on how i just read it says <laughs> if citrusy oranges have your heart you most definitely are a vibrant person hey! you're always you're always capable of cheering up your friends and keep the best interests of those you love at, at heart your bright personality lights up a room and your gracious spirit leaves all those in attendance smiling. Oh, my God. Okay, so how does that resonate with you? You know, my ego wants to agree with all of that. <laughs> I think that does seem fair. I think like, that uh, sounds so nice. It seems reasonable. I know we don't know each other much, but I'm going to go ahead and second it. I think it I feel, so sounds I feel very confident. spot on. I feel confident about the strawberry. I think that seems very fair. We like ours. This is yeah. great. This is going to be the new fortune cookie. I think this is like, who doesn't want to think of fruit and then hear how they're great? <laughs> I think that's fair. And I think uh, as somebody who doesn't know the time they were born, so I can't get all of the info about like, I'm a Oh, your star tourist. sign. Yeah. yeah, I can't get Earth all charts. of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's a, and it, I was born on a military base, so it's even harder to find that. Oh, wow. And it's a military base that no longer exists. So. Oh, my God. Can you say where? Is it mysterious or... I was about to come up with a fake. I can't even come up with a fake. The one. reason no. I ask is because yeah. my the same best friend I was just talking about, who lives in London, her dad, uh, her her grandfather worked on the atom bomb with Oppenheimer, and so oh, her, the Manhattan yes, and so her dad was born at Los Alamos. And, wow. Oh, okay. Um, and so on his birth certificate, because this would be the forties, you know, um, and. His birth certificate says rural um, New Mexico is oh. the location. That was why I was like, wait a minute. Is this a Los Alamos person? For, You're is like, there really? A it's new... in quotation marks, too. It's so specific. <laughs> I like, always really? thought that was like yeah. way too cool. 
Uh, but also, you know, it makes sense. It says in a town, don't worry about it. <laughs> Stop being so nosy. <laughs> That's a <Yeah>. lot. <laughs> Turn around. We're right behind you. Uh, I was, so Andrews Air Force Base still exists. I was wrong about that. But it's the hospital I was born in is no longer oh. that exact hospital. But my dad uh, flew Air Force Two <gasps> for, so we were in Camp Springs, Maryland in that area. Uh, at the wow. time, so that's where I was born. Yeah, Air Force Two, I assume, is the second to Air Force One. It's the yeah, it's for the VP. Oh <gasps> wow! So was he the pilot? He was. Yeah, he was a co-pilot on Air Force Two when Reagan, when it was uh, George H. W. Bush was VP to Reagan. Oh my goodness! Does he have? Did he get to like peek at crazy moments and see? I mean, he must have. You don't just fly around like the world leaders and not not get up to it i guess i'm sure he saw something i i don't you know in retrospect i've never asked and i don't really know why i never you gotta get, get I, you know what scoop. It, I gotta, yeah i gotta get those exclusives i guess but i never <laughs> you know what it was i think it was just that you're born and it's just a thing and it becomes weird white noise like yes. oh yeah yeah he flew air force too yeah it, it is an amazing thing it's just like yeah that's a that's normalized for me oh i my dad is a scientist and help develop like a lot of what I understand to be very important um, technology <laughs> for really? like a special realm of science. And I have like, just don't, ha didn't get the brain for it. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> so I like, I do understand like on a base level cause I've said it to people my whole life, but it's mass spectrometry for anyone who's listening. Um, but it's like, I have no concept of it. And I remember meeting like a friend's husband years ago who happened to work in that field so randomly. And he knew who my dad was. He was like, oh my God, Ian Jardin, like that's, he developed the blank. And I was like, yeah, I don't oh, know. Wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess <laughs> like the rudest daughter who was just like, it's, <laughs> I don't know, I guess. You're like, I know it's impressive. I just don't understand the degree by which it is impressive. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't break it down. But uh, yeah, it's just white noise. It's just like that's your that's your parent. But um, so but because of that, you don't know. You, well, do you you know at least your star sign? I'm guessing because you know the the day of the month you were born. So you at least know you're like Gemini, Libra, any of that. I'm, I'm a Gemini. There that's you go. All. Oh my god. I'm a Gemini, so I'm just on the. Somebody told me I'm a cusp because I'm on. It was June twentieth. Yeah, is when I was born. So I guess a Gemini Cancer cusp. But then I've read that maybe that's not a thing, a cusp thing. I have no idea. <laughs> I, you know, I read the I've read the traits of a Gemini, and they're they're pretty dead on. I yeah, mean, it's pretty impressive. I got it. It's like I kind of like to have one foot in and one foot out of like astrology stuff, and you know, living in LA and being around a lot of LA people. Um, it definitely functions as like a full-on religion, um, yeah. and that's fine. And I get it, but I so I'm always trying to kind of keep one foot out because you can really lose yourself in it. <laughs> and like, it's very easy to it, get yeah. invited to like crystal charging parties and things like that. So you got to be really cautious. But um, but a lot of it is really true and fun and feels right and connective and correct. It's it's like a very interesting sort of feeling to be like. Especially because my dad is like a scientist and stuff. I have a bad habit of being like a little too much of a skeptic about way too many fun things. Yeah. Um, but that's stuff that you're like, I don't know. Feels pretty I think true. It's interesting. Yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting and I like um I don't know, it's like it involves the universe and I'm like, Well, yeah, that that's an interesting topic and it's kind of like, Well, we're such small 
mechanisms in this giant thing. That that's something I want to believe in, and yeah. what can that can mean, and something far bigger than us. But you know, it's it's a thing. I'm I think it's really interesting, but it's not everything to me yeah. by any stretch. Um, but then again, like it's kind of a fun thing to get lost in because. Like, conspiracy theories used to be kind of fun, and now they're not at all. That's gone. You're so <laughs> right. It was like, I do feel like growing up, it was like, yeah, lay it on me. What is it? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. And it was like yeah. fun to hear them, even weird ones. But yeah, it definitely has been sort of co-opted by like, yeah, the worst the worst parts. Uh, and no, it definitely feels like a weird code now for like, I, I do my own research, <laughs> which is yeah. a phrase I said uh, to someone recently is like now become the devil if you hear someone say I do my own research you're like oh no I said that to a friend today in that same conversation <laughs> not exaggerating it was then I'm like it's such a it's been so co-opted and it's such a loaded phrase to to imply I know what's correct over a person who's dedicated their life to this thing oh my god nothing could be more wild that we have like uh yeah and I like Without even opening up the politics of it, just the yes. assumptive piece of like, I have the ability to know it. And it's like to know the, <laughs> the what it takes to be a dedicated expert in a field to the it's just a proven fact that you go and you study it and you devote your life to it. And it's so, so what's an expert to you then? I don't yes, what, it, what, what would it take? It makes perfect sense, though, that's like at some point we would reach this like coming out the other side of the beauty of the internet. Yes. We would barf out this other end of like, oh my God, we have everything at our fingertips. We can literally be like, yeah, scrolling an actor's IMDb as we watch <laughs> their movie to confirm that they were in the th movie we thought they were in. But it's like that freedom at your fingertips is, yeah, it's like, of course we were going to come out the other side where everybody devalued the very idea of like uh, expertise and knowledge and that you're like, okay, big guy, I can click around too. And you're like, that's not what they do. <laughs> it's it's so, confirmation bias is so tantalizing oh. that I understand it, but I, it's also a very dangerous drug you have to get away from at the same, as much as you can, because like, it feels so good to, feel, to be right oh. or to feel right. But uh, man, I am not right all the time at all. Oh my God. And it needs to be reminded of that. I need to... I definitely need to um, be taken down to earth. <laughs> I think that that is increasingly becoming less of a desirable like personality trait. Um, so hold hold on to it. We'll both hold on to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to be discerning. But, uh, you know, again, without politicizing it too, but just the, uh, I need to do my own research. It's the one thing that anytime I hear it, the first thing I think is, well, we know you're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, yeah. We, the problem is, yeah, you need to. Yeah, but I'm gonna. you will not. Yeah, <laughs> as they're closing the Wikipedia tab immediately. Yeah, <laughs> can't even get that out of them. No. Um, good lord. I uh, I do want to ask you too that sure. uh, your your podcast Ellis for Losers. Yes. The Patreon podcast. Thank you. That one thing that you talk about as a show because there are so many iterations of it. Real Housewives. <laughs> I did not realize that there were there are eleven series. Mm -hmm. There are probably like in the range of like twenty spinoffs, mm -hmm. uh, including one called Vanderpump Dogs, which I did not <laughs> know was a thing. I haven't watched that one, but I do know it exists. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a thing. It it appears to be one and done. So I'm not so sure a lot of people yeah, watch it. Yeah, that but makes sense. There was like, well, we'll just see what sticks. It's a pandemic. People are coping. 
And uh, and apparently there are 14 international epi- uh, seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, funnily enough, you said your sister just moved back from Dubai. Yeah. There's a Dubai season just announced. I know. I sent her the link and she was like, damn it, I just missed my chance. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, see, well, to preface, I just finished watching um, The Leftovers, which is one of the very oh, impressive. I've never watched it. I've always heard it's so great. It is amazing. It is so intense. And unrelenting, mm. and maybe not the best thing to watch. Um, you know, a show about the rapture during a pandemic. <laughs> Boy, re- like real exercise in, in masochism on my part. Don't worry, that's like when that. Tim and I did what I think a lot of people did, but in like March of last year when we watched Contagion because we were like, that's like kind of the thing that's going on. And then it was I did like, that too. So many people did it, and it was like harrowing. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> Right. This was intense, but thankfully we only have six more weeks of this, so we won't have to deal with the psychological ramifications of that choice. As it just continues to mirror reality for 20 months, but not quite as bad. But yes, anyways, go ahead. Yes, and it, man, I finished that show about two or three days ago, and just bummed. It's a a beautiful, amazing show, Mm. but it's also, man, such a bummer, too. Mm-hmm. And I need, uh, I, I texted somebody like, man, that show was amazing. I need to watch something lighter for a long time. <laughs> and in Real Housewives, it's a very intimidating amount of episodes. So yeah. I'm like, is that the one to go with? And if it is, <laughs> what is the entry point? But then I was like, well, Below Deck seems interesting. But then it's nine seasons of that. Okay. Which I didn't realize. Winter I, House, I saw a trailer for that. Yeah. Kind of was interesting. I've never watched the other shows that it's based on or... From people, but what what should I watch? Oh, this is such a fun question. So I don't watch Winter House. That I know well, half of the people, but like I just it's Summer House and Winter House have never made it to a fair amount of Bravo makes it past me just because there's only so many hours in a week. It's a um, volume game, yeah. and yeah, and Marcy and I, my co-host on Elves for Losers, we really signed up. We went from being a Kardashian podcast where we re- we recapped one episode of Kardashians a week to inexplicably covering five different shows every week because there's mm-hmm. so many. So a lot gets past me. But to answer the question, I would say, so I can't speak to Winterhouse, but a lot of people love it. But I think it is pretty dependent on knowing some of the backstories. Okay. Um, Housewives is true joy. I would recommend it to anybody and I would break down which seasons are good and I'm happy to do that. Um, but what's I would, a good en- what's a good entry point though for I think, what Housewives would be or I the essence of it, I guess. Like not this like season 2 seasons ago New York is okay. probably one of the funniest seasons of television I've ever watched. Or like even this past season of Beverly Hills has been, I'm sure you've seen it like in the zeitgeist because one of the women is involved in like one of the craziest scandals in like all history, but definitely housewives history because her husband has been, she was married to a really powerful lawyer, Tom Girardi, who is the lawyer who is like in Aaron Brockovich. He's the lawyer who wins uh, with Aaron Brockovich. And so he's this hugely famous um, trial attorney, really powerful. So she's been on Housewives forever. And they, he has been accused of um, basically like scamming the funds from like um, victims of a plane crash that he had won. 
uh, money from and burn victims from like a bunch of different natural disasters and like all this money is missing that these victims were promised and so like it's been the craziest it's like a horrible story but the way that it is played out publicly has been so bizarre she like quickly divorced him but swore that it was not related to the lawsuit and then decided to still do the season of housewives and everybody was like no you're on you're in a really messy legal thing like you should producers are like please yes and so literally like it is a fact that like prosecutors are watching housewives every week and it's the craziest like craziest real-time thing they're like reading because the housewives don't the other housewives don't know it and so it's coming out as the season's being recorded and they're panicking and they're meeting with their lawyers and they are also filming and it's like it's never really been quite so actually connected to the world it sits in um okay and it's fascinating so that i would say this past season of real housewives of beverly hills is probably one of the most like riveting it still has a lot of fun fluff. It's definitely not like a, as silly of a season. Um, and I don't think that that stuff is like portrayed super heavy in the way that you're saying, like needing something light. I think it's like yeah. riveting. But all that to say, I will probably save first place vote for Below Deck because okay. you don't need to watch season to season. It's all like most, it's like oftentimes totally new crews. The captain stays on and sometimes like the head stew or a couple people will come back, but they're really self-contained and the storylines like really don't bleed over. Um, So they are like very, very consumable and it has this like perfect premise because it's like an upstairs downstairs, you know, and it's got, it's just like, it is such, it's, it's the show of all my Bravo shows. It's the one Tim actually likes watching. So that's an interest. I think that's where my litmus is helpful. He really, really, really likes Below Deck. And I think it is just because like you have this refillable premise every week where like bad, you know, rich kind of assholes come onto this boat and are generally shitty and get drunk and misbehave. And then we get to watch all their shenanigans. But then you're also watching this crew and all their behind the scenes navigating of everything going on and their old interpersonal dramas. And like, I think it is like a much more uh it's an easier more digestible and very entertaining show and you could truly start in any of them uh that sounds amazing uh there's like below deck med which is mediterranean there's regular below deck and i there might be a third but um oh yeah below deck sailing um and honestly they're all fantastic it's an uh, you know what i'll send you there's a great new york times piece from last year when below deck was really hitting like a fever pitch in the zeitgeist and it's a New York Times piece, like how they make the show. And it's oh. super cool because it's like they're on a boat and they need a whole crew and producers and cameras. And like, you know, like the way that they capture the show is so important. But they are also on boats in the middle of the ocean, you know, and they, they're, the crew is trying to stay out of the way of the boat crew. And so it's about how they like are all kind of hidden in different ways in this ship. Uh, and, That's cool. and that like the crew knows that and are trying to find ways to hide from the cameras when they're like hooking up. And so anyways, it's just like very fascinating from a production standpoint. But that's my uh, long, long answer. No, that's great. And uh, and this shows you how little I knew about about Below Deck that I thought Med was about like a a, a group of people saving lives or something. Uh, you're I not had, that. That sounds I had no like idea. what it would be. It sounds like it would yeah be like one of those like Chicago Med 
Below deck med. <laughs> but it, it sounds better than saying below deck the med. You know, fair, <laughs> fair enough. It makes sense, but I was like, I don't... But I had no idea of what that show would be, period. So everything was in play for me for that one. Wow. Uh, the world I, of my oyster and that possibility. But You, I think, would really enjoy it. And they they do a really great job of casting. And just like, I, I'm not someone who really understood... I'm not like a boat person. And so just even understanding like the breakdown of the roles and like what a deck crew is, what stews do, like whose jobs are what the captain, like I, you know, it's just, it's just very, um, it's a whole world going on out there that, yeah, I definitely had no clue on and, and it's really good TV. So that's my big vote okay. and Beverly Hills would be my, my votes. Yeah. That sounds like genuinely riveting that the, the idea that you can see potential subpoenas in real time <gasps> basically like uh it sounds amazing it's it's truly like unprecedented as i, I would describe it like it's just for like a lifelong watcher like me and, and same with marcy and like everyone in the bravo verse like there's just never there have been like there's been people who've gone to jail and things like that but it's been for like uh stuff that's scary like tax evasion and stuff but it's it's just this insane heightened that it is it's always and that always happens in the off season is not really part of the show the idea that yeah. it's like this lady in the middle of it was like because i think everyone kind of acknowledged she needed the money like it's a big paycheck to do the show and she like threw herself into this split in order i think as most people understand it to kind of save herself um and but the the devil the deal with the devil she made is being on reality tv with like some very confused and like mad castmates who were like what is going on and what have you brought <laughs> into this world and she's like mad at everybody for asking questions and it's it's, it's the great. rare real thing too yes you know as opposed to all these like made up scenarios of you go to lunch and then you just do whatever you know because they have actual writers on shows oh yeah like that and then it's just like what it true mystery and people having to maybe actually be themselves you know like yeah. real oh shit yeah real reveals it's like a murder mystery plot or something it's it really wild. is and it's still going and will keep going for a long time so it's it definitely is going to continue to be um and she's confirmed for another season so it's gonna oh keep going but yeah I, you gotta let me know okay. what you decide on <laughs> okay well that's that does sound incredible you, I know you hosted the Kardashian podcast too. Mm -hmm. Are they? Is she actually with Pete Davidson? <laughs> I will tell you. This is interesting. I don't think it gets anyone in trouble. I heard from a friend who is closer to that world that it's real. Okay. That it's real. That it is like they. I think it might just be like having fun, but that. They, uh, she like maybe asked for his number even after hosting SNL and that they really are dating. And like, it's, I, I assumed I was like, no, but it sounds, just, sound, yeah. sources say yes. So a friend of, see, I read all of that. I read all this stuff. I love it. I find it, I find it fascinating. And I grew up in a house with People Magazine. So it's just in oh, me yeah. to read all of this stuff and like checking Dumois, I guess. Yeah, love it, <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. It's great. And uh, but with, with a friend of mine texted me yesterday or the day before about like, so this Pete Davidson thing, <laughs> and they were like, "What is it about him?" And I was like, "I was like, man, I just imagine he is funny and really charming, and 
also his reputation precedes him. I you know yeah that goes a long way. There's a self perpetuating element to that. I think it, sure. I think uh, you know exactly like once the momentum has built the moment you know yeah. like once proof of concept you yeah know, like, exactly exactly and you're like I mean and also what do we know that could be the most fun I, wonderful enchanting person to hang out yeah, with absolutely. I have no idea yeah it just seems like a very unfair thing for him because it's like <laughs> any preconceived notions people have about them this is such an amplified version of that and people are just going to be shitting on him for. Uh, God knows how many, you know, why, jealousy, anger, whatever, projection, who knows. But I'm more power to him. I I never would have paired them together, but also, I mean, what do I know? I That's no how idea. I feel. And like, look, there's a reason Kim Kardashian is the most famous person alive, and it's because she's not boring. <laughs> no. <laughs> she- well, that's why, that's why I thought it was maybe just fake in the sense that like, this is a, it's a great narrative spin, you know, yes. it's a great turn. Yes. No, I think, and I wouldn't have been surprised if it was that either. But I think she, uh, I don't know, she just is knows how to make herself uh, forever interesting. Uh, so even, yeah, the kind of like head scratch of it is like, is still weirdly to me on brand for her, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, like that's, I think, her favorite move is like yeah you thought you knew didn't you guess what i'm a fucking lawyer now <laughs> yeah i guess you thought you knew didn't you like she likes that i think um surprising people but anyways well, I, I i think that makes i think that makes sense though because like even on sno she was smart and savvy enough to be like they're gonna write whatever they want and they know better and i'm going to deliver it absolutely and she killed that monologue was fantastic she was so good and like got ahead of anything they could have like it's it's such a savvy it's just such a savvy approach she's oh i just love her (laughs) i'm very impressed by her because it's it feels like an impossible thing to do that but it seems i don't know what it is what what puts her in that position to have to be have such a unique perspective on it but it just feels like she just gets it and i don't even know how that works exactly i think that that my theory is that uh, many people who end up famous are actually it's not that they're not deserving of fame because that's not like a real thing but are not good at being famous you know like mm. struggle with it uh on a lot of like moral ethical vanity you know addiction levels and i think my my feeling about kim is she's just really good at it like yeah. it's just what she was born to do. She doesn't have any substance issues. She's never has. She is owns her vanity and her ego and has no shame about it. She like, do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just very compartmentalized for her where I feel like it's like, yeah, like it's it's same thing of like if you were uh, an, an Olympic long distance runner, you know, and it's like, well, this is what my body is like trained and meant to do. I'm going to go out there and win a bunch of golds and that's what I'm going to do till I can't do it anymore. And it's like, I think that's how fame functions for Kim, where she's just like, I have no, I'm really good at being and staying famous. Doesn't mean it's been like a walk in the park at every turn, but I think even the the really shitty things that have happened to her, she's managed to like turn it into fuel to be able to still work with like this insane level that she's at. You know, I think that makes total sense. And a part of me wonders too, if like, um, she was at the forefront of this with the OJ trial. Yeah, I mean, and I wonder if like that. Absolutely, man, her relationship is it is 
truly entirely unique and unto itself. Yeah, I, I think you when you have been like cocooned, it's different than even like the children of famous people, you know, who, who kind of start cracking that door if they want to and, mm -hmm. and moving into the spotlight. It's like to be like a part and forever connected to that level of yeah. of zeitgeist and curiosity it's like yeah i think you've been exposed basically to like a high high heat burn early on and so yeah. you're like okay i know how crazy it can possibly get uh what how, what would it look like if it was not that but it was also being known in that way or no you know not that way but um known in in a hugely public way but i just think it takes like it's not necessarily about being the smartest or, you know, like it's, it's not like a discernible trait. It's just like being famous is, is not a given that you're good at it or you like it, you, you know? And I think you see a lot of struggles for a lot of people in the spotlight because of that. And so I think yeah. Kim is just like, Hey, this is uh, easy. That's <laughs> yeah. right. It really, it seems like uh, I'm sure. I think the fact that she seems to like treat it consciously and probably from the beginning, which is, a difference for her versus a lot of people is really approaching it in a workman like like this is a job yeah type thing which was before it really was a job or mm -hmm. you know like Paris Hilton was before her and she had little things but it was very much through a a socialite kind of yes. prism I guess yes and I think the thing that always preceded her like well preceded's the wrong word but like there is a uniform thing with Kim that like for as long as she's ever been famous that anyone who ever, ever works with her um, speaks so highly of how on time she is, how like she has this like very, very respected work ethic and yeah. like presence in term. And you see it on the show a lot. And it's like where she gets into fights with like her other sisters because they struggle with it more. And she really sees it as like a job that she has to show up and be super respectful, super accommodating. And I'm sure a lot of that has shifted given her level now. But you can tell that her approach is just like so highly professional that then which is a key. That's a big key to success in any life that like if people sure. really enjoy working with you then they tell people about working with you and they think of you and they recommend you. And like, that is so the like building of a career, whether it is like Hollywood or anything, like if, if people have positive experiences with you, they tend to want to continue to. And I think that that's been like a huge key for her is that you assume a lot because it's like a beautiful socialite like Paris. But I think where Paris was maybe like a bit more of like a party girl, uh, and kind of living her life a lot more. I think Kim was just like, nope, I go to bed. I don't, she doesn't drink really yeah. at all. And she's just always been kind of like living. She's famously boring. Like that's like what she jokes about on the show. She's so, which is my favorite dichotomy to be the most interesting person who's like apparently always the first to sleep <laughs> at like yeah. any event. <laughs> you know, and even just on a base level of marrying Kanye West, who is, could stand to be more boring in <laughs> yeah. a multitude, an innumerable amount of ways. Um, that's so interesting. No, I, yeah, I, I really do find her interesting. And I'm very, anybody who's so good at what they do, boring, you know, depending on what they do, but something like this, it's, you kind of, it's, I don't know, it's hard not to marvel at it, to be honest, because it's just so impressive. Even when, even when it's, 
at complete odds with every piece of like my I, again i'm not saying this in a political sense but like sure. i had this with like even trump you know and not not to open it up but it's just like when somebody has the ability to do something on a level that is that intoxicating to so many people and that powerful at like this unique bizarre to me um mm. Uh, worldview, uh, uh, speech, uh, every everything, uh, and it is, and it works for so many people. Like to not to be dismissive of it is always to me the mistake. And that was actually that was the premise of the podcast. Why we started the Kardashian podcast was because we started it with my friend Trisha, also um, who dropped off. She had a baby, but um, mm. Marcy and Trisha and I would. It was like we would always joke that it was the only our friendship and our text chain was like the only safe space to talk about Kardashians because women especially were and, and are historically like the meanest about them and really dismissive and and you know it was long enough ago before they really had their brands and stuff and it was just like oh they're just famous for being famous and that whole line and it was this thing where we were like well even if you don't like them. You don't have to like them, but to not be interested or to be dismissive of like this family that sits at the exact intersection of like, obviously entertainment, fashion, music, if you're talking about Kanye era, yeah. sports, given the amount of like athletes that have like moved through the family, <laughs> like fashion, uh, beauty. Then you bring in things like, um, uh, Caitlin transitioning, you have like women having children out of wedlock, you have like, there's so many things that it's like, that this family is putting out there and intersecting with and succeeding at. Uh, so to me, it's like, yeah, you don't have to like the Kardashians, but to, to be like, oh, I don't care. They're uninteresting. Yeah, exactly, I'm like, yeah. mm, I don't think you get to, because that's what I mean is like, that would be like me doing that about like Trump or something. And it's like, you don't get to just be like, nope. I, oh, is it, are they around? I wouldn't know. <laughs> You're like, no. Is it Trump? Am I, am I pronouncing that? that it's just so not on my radar. It's like, oh, well. You're weird that, then. You're, you're deeply <laughs> ignorant. That's still the problem. It's not you, not the problem you seem to think it is, but it's a problem. You should want to understand the things that are appealing to people not like you. Um, is, is Confirmation like, bias, right? Yes. I mean, it's, full yeah, circle. I mean, you gotta, full circle. What if I tried to shoehorn Uncanny Valley? Uncanny Valley, Uncanny correct? Valley, and you get that yeah. square pig in that round hole, and you call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> Uncanny Valley, as we say. Um, well... This has been lovely. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. No, this was so this nice. What a great convo. Yes. What all, if anything, do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you already did such a nice job uh, plugging my podcast. If, if you are interested in any of these shows, pop culture, any of it, uh, you can find me every week on Ellis for Losers podcast, uh, patreon.com, Ellis for Losers. We have a bunch of different tiers. We have free stuff. Uh, we do vintage recaps of old Kardashian uh, seasons and spinoffs and all that. Um, yeah, you can find me at JJJLA. If you happen to be in LA, yes. I am returning to live the live stage and I'm doing improv with some really fun people Friday, November 12th at the Elysian Theater with Neil Campbell. Neil Campbell and Paul Rust have an amazing show we've done for years called Playhouse Masterpiece, um, where we improvise a very serious play. Um, so it'll be me, uh, Neil Paul, Mike Mitchell, uh, Fran Gillespie, and I believe another woman named Reka. Um, 
Friday, November 12th at the Elysian. If anyone in LA is listening, um, come on out. I'm so jealous of that. Uh, that it's gonna be. That must be so fun. I think it'll be Very a exciting. regular thing. So if you ever make it out uh, to okay. LA, you gotta come by. Okay, 100 percent. Because that must be so fun. It's so fun. Um, yes. Thank you again for doing this. This was great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and thank you all for listening. And please stay safe. And please get vaccinated and or get the booster. Wear a mask. Be respectful of yourself and others, and be kind to yourself and others. And stay safe. And goodbye. Thank you.